Welcome to Russian History Retold, Episode 179, Nicholas II. Who could have done it better? Last time, I did a what-if episode on what would have happened had Vladimir Lenin lived a longer or shorter life. Today I'm going to do kind of a what-if episode. Namely, which czar or Russian ruler of the past would have saved the Romanovs from the revolution of 1917? Of course, the easy answer is just about anyone, and some historians would agree. As you might have guessed, I don't like the easy answers. What I will present today, though, is a review of seven former Russian rulers and my assessment of how they would have done had they been czar starting on November 1st, 1894. The rulers I will look at today are Nicholas I, Alexander I, Catherine the Great, Peter the Great, Ivan the Terrible, Ivan the Great, and Vladimir the Great. A lot of greats in there. Well, let's start with Nicholas I, the reactionary czar who, in my opinion, began the downward spiral of the Romanov rule. He was confronted early on with a crisis, the Decemberist Revolt. Coming back from the wars against Napoleon, seeing the vast difference in freedoms in Europe, the officers of the revolt were members of secret societies discussing ways to end the autocracy of Russia and move towards a more democratic way of life. On December 26, 19, or 1825, excuse me, they attempted a coup against the Tsar, believing he was illegitimately taking control over his brother Constantine. What they didn't know was that Constantine had renounced his claim and that Nicholas was indeed the legitimate heir. Within hours after proclaiming himself Tsar, Nicholas had to deal with the uprising. The officers had taken over Senate Square in St. Petersburg and demanded a new constitution be drawn up. Although reluctant at first to deal violently with the rebels, the Tsar eventually ordered the artillery to open fire on the men. Within hours, 56 rebels were dead and the revolt was squashed. Looking at this alone, Nicholas I was a far more decisive leader than his namesake. This would have made him a far more competent man to lead Russia during the late part of the 19th and early part of the 20th century. But would this decisiveness have been enough to save the monarchy? Let's look a little deeper into his reign to see what would have happened. Due to the Decemberist revolt, the Tsar became somewhat paranoid and always looking for a conspiracy. He became increasingly conservative and then reactionary in his policies. This is exactly what Nicholas II was noted for, so this is a distinct negative. The original Nicholas was also against many of the modernizing ideas that would have helped Russia compete in the world, such as opposing the expansion of the railway system as a pathway to, quote, weaken the moral fiber of Russian society. This disastrous thought process was one of the reasons that Russia would do so poorly in World War I. Their transportation system was so bad that they were unable to get supplies like guns and food to the soldiers at the front and sometimes even the back lines. This lack of foresight makes Nicholas I a ruler who would likely not have made a difference in reversing the fortunes of the Romanov family. Next up is Alexander I, the great-grandfather of Nicholas II. This Russian ruler was the man who led the country to victory over Napoleon Bonaparte. His march to Paris put Russia into a leading role in European history in the early part of the 19th century. His boldness in battle made him a far better leader than Nicholas. Alexander's win over the French leader 
would have made him a far better person in charge, possibly holding the Germans to a stalemate during World War I instead of the outright slaughter of millions of men that helped lead to the Tsar's downfall. I believe that the early years of Alexander's reign showed a man that might well have saved the regency for his family. He was revered by his people, just as Nicholas was early on in his. But while his great-grandson was always reactionary and cautious, the early Alexander was bolder and more liberal. This leads me to believe that this czar might have had a chance to save the Romanovs. The problem here is that I'm not allowing myself to split a regency, and I have to look at the second half of his time as czar, after the Napoleonic War. This era was his mystic time, and one where he abandoned the recommendations of his unofficial committee of friends and the reform-minded state secretary, Mikhail Speransky. He came under the influence of a reactionary monk named Archimandrit Photius, who changed his policy of religious tolerance. This change and the subsequent abandonment of serious thought of providing his country with a constitution makes Alexander I another Romanov who would not have reversed the downward spiral of his family. The next Tsar to try their hand at things is Catherine II, also known as Catherine the Great. First off, one of the main problems Nicholas II had was his wife Alexandra. She was reviled by so many parts of Russian society that she ate away all the respect that the people had for the office of the Tsar. Even members of the Romanov family thought she was a horrible influence on her husband. To top it off, when she ran the government for Nicholas while he was off fighting the war, she had ministers installed who were so incompetent that the war effort was incredibly mismanaged. Many of these men, especially Boris Sturmer and Alexander Protopropov, were masterfully incompetent. Both of these men were placed into power because of the influence of one Grigory Rasputin, who was also important in the collapse of the Romanovs. Of course, with Catherine, there'd be no Alexandra and therefore no Rasputin. This is a major bonus when it comes to a decision on whether or not the monarchy would have been saved. Catherine was also a pragmatist as well, as being very decisive and reform-minded. These are traits that Nicholas II did not have at all. More points in her favor. While she believed in an absolute monarchy, I think that given the changes in the world at the time of the last Romanov, she would have easily been able to make adjustments. If she would have been Tsar at the time, it would have meant that the rule that her son Paul put into place, the one where only the oldest male in the royal family could come to power, would not have existed. This meant that the most competent, or one with the strongest hand, would have been Tsar, not an unfit person like Nicholas, who really never wanted to be the monarch anyway. You could find flaws here and there in Catherine's rule, and especially in her philandering personality, that might have made her incapable of saving the family's position in Russia. But I vote in favor of her holding on to power over the revolutionaries that took control in 1917. Now we turn to everybody's favorite, to save the Romanos from the doom they experienced, and that would be Peter the Great. When I announced this topic to the podcast, to the Facebook group, Russian Rulers History, within minutes one of the members said, Peter the Great would have turned things around just matter-of-factly. This one is truly a no-brainer. Peter was a man who, right or wrong, made decisions. Nicholas II vacillated all the time. 
Early on in his reign, at the Kadinka tragedy on May 30th, 1886, at his coronation, the Tsar's decision to go to the field, where over 1,300 people perished in the stampede, to the decision not to go because of pressure from his uncles, showed early on what a weak-willed man he was. The Russo-Japanese War, which turned out to be a major debacle, would have been a learning experience to Peter, just as his loss to Swedish King Charles XII at the Battle of Narva in 1700 would be. Peter knew that his forces were undertrained and poorly supplied. He went in a full rebuild mode to make his country a powerhouse and capable of beating the best general in the world at the time at the Battle of Poltava. Given the defeat in Korea, Peter would have rallied his countrymen to move the army and navy to the modern world in terms of technology and numbers. Had that Russia gone into battle against the Germans during World War I, they, with their superior numbers, likely would have crushed their enemy. This would have given the Tsar a higher standing in the eyes of his country and would have squelched any appeal the Bolsheviks would have had with the Russian people. Because of these reasons, I give Peter two thumbs up. Now we go further back in time to one of the most feared rulers in Russian history, Ivan Grozny, Ivan IV. He became the ruler in name in 1533, but only really took power in 1547. His reign had two periods. The first, reform-minded, and one that lasted until the death of his wife Anastasia in 1560. The second is when he spirals into a maze of psychosis and paranoia with short glimpses of mental clarity. During the first part of his reign, I can see this deeply troubled man having a better go of it than the last Tsar. He would have had a far stronger hand and a more decisive demeanor, two attributes that would have served him well. But as we saw with Alexander I, there are two sides to his reign. Sociopathic behavior in a monarch is not the best way to stay in power, especially as we hit more modern times. Communications within the country was far superior to the 1500s, so the Russian people would have been a little bit more aware and reactive to this sort of activity by their ruler. This is a major negative against Ivan's success. There is a positive for Ivan, though, and that is what you would call his Russianness. Nicholas II was far more of a German than a Russian. Some have claimed that by the time his generation came about, he was 97% ethnically German and only 3% Russian. His wife, Alexandra, was 100% foreign, which was a major negative while World War I was being fought. Many Russians believe she was a spy for their enemy and was helping the other side. Ivan would not have had that problem. Still, while reviewing his reign and actions, I cannot believe with any amount of certainty that Ivan IV would have been successful in protecting the Romanov family. Back in time we head to Ivan the Terrible's grandfather, Ivan III, also known as Ivan the Great. This Russian ruler was known as the gatherer of lands as under his reign, Russia, in particular Moscow, grew in size and strength. In order to gain the term the Great after your name, you have to have some serious gravitas, and Ivan III had it in spades. He was bold when faced with adversaries and decisive when necessary. His actions to finally break the Mongol yoke in 1480 showed an astute diplomatic and military mind, 
something Nicholas II was totally devoid of. It's hard to really assess someone like Ivan III and his abilities when compared to the modern world, but the attributes he shows suggest someone who could have turned things around and saved the Romanovs had he been a member of that family. Another point in favor of Ivan was his choice of wife. Instead of the demure and manipulative Alexandra, he chose Zoe Paleolog, a Byzantine princess. This makes you feel that he would have thought out his marriage instead of the way the last Tsar looked at things. My vote goes to Ivan making the grade and saving the monarchy, but with a bit of reservation due to the different ages the two men lived in. Last up was the first great ruler in Russian history, Vladimir. This Russian ruler was a bold and very gifted military man who by his iron fist and personality changed the land of the Rus from a scattered bunch of tribes into a centrally ruled powerhouse. He made his people convert to orthodoxy and sever their ties with their old pagan ways. Vladimir was also a dominant man with many wives at first, so having a woman such as Alexandra swing his decision-making was a distinct no-go. His military prowess would have served well in both deciding to have a go at the Japanese far away from his home base and supply lines, which is something that he did think about in during his reign and some war efforts he had, and of course World War I against the Germans. Big points in favor of Vladimir. Again, it is extremely difficult to assess the viability of an ancient leader when thrust into the future, but what we can tell of his personality is that many of his traits that Nicholas II lacked would have given him at least a fighting chance at saving the monarchy. Now I turn my sights on Nicholas II and what really caused the uh, loss of power in 1917. First off, I've said in the past and in this podcast that some of the blame has to go to his predecessors, particularly Paul, with his change in the process of who would be the next czar, to Nicholas I and his reactionary and conservative ideals, leaving his country struggling to keep up with the West. Alexander III, his father, would have further continued with this disastrous policy of conservatism that countered what his father Alexander II had tried to change. These three rulers deserve a large share of the blame for the downfall. Tsarina Alexandra is my next target. As I've mentioned, she was despised by a large number of people, especially within the Romanov family. When Nicholas made the harebrained decision to take control of the military actions during World War I, he left his wife behind to help him run the government. This was a bad idea from the very beginning and was to only become worse over the next year. The Tsarina would rely heavily on Rasputin's advice as to who to keep in their ministerial jobs and who to replace people with. The main criteria seems to have been whether they were in good graces with the Starets. Protopopov and Sturmer were two that survived the constant turnaround that Alexandra created. Within a 16-month period, they were, according to Michael Farquhar in his book, The Secret Live, Lives of the Tsars, quote, Russia had four different prime ministers, five ministers of the interior, four ministers of agriculture, and three ministers of war. The rapid rate of turnover was such that Prince Vladimir Volkonsky suggested a sign be placed on the government ministry building. Quote, Piccadilly. The show changes every Saturday.
Incompetency was not a behavior that would lead to dismissal, as was seen with the idiocy of both Protopopov and Sturmer. The former was seen as mentally deranged, and the latter as false and double-faced. By 1916, not only was the war going badly, but people in St. Petersburg were suffering from the lack of firewood and food. Millions of men were dead, millions of people were hungry, and the Russian economy was in ruins. This alone could set up any country for revolution, but it was just another nail in the coffin that Nicholas II had been building from the day he became Tsar. The Romanov family knew that revolution was in the air and that their time was close to an end. Grand Duke Paul said at the time, quote, The first step has been taken. If revolution breaks out, its barbarity will exceed anything ever known. It will be hellish. Russia won't survive it. Russia did survive, but it took 74 years of communist rule before it became back as an independent state. Further, Grand Duke Nicholas Mikhailovich wrote to the emperor saying, quote, You often told me you trusted no one and were constantly being betrayed. If this is true, the remark should apply above all to your wife, who, though she loves you, is constantly leading you in error, surrounded as she is by people in the grip of the spirit of evil. Believe me, if I stress my desire that you should cast off the chains that imprison you, it is not for personal motives, but only with the hope of saving you and your throne and our dear country from the terrible and irreparable catastrophes that lie ahead. Unfortunately for Grand Duke Nicholas, who was the first cousin of Tsar Nicholas's father, the emperor never read the letter, instead letting Alexandra read it. She was furious as you might expect. Sadly for the Grand Duke, his life would be forfeited after the start of the revolution. My take here is that Nicholas II was a deeply flawed leader, and though the circumstances surrounding his monarchy were sometimes beyond his control, he made his rule worse by a series of misguided decisions, many of them made because of his personality flaws. There were many other Russian rulers who would have fared much better than him, some of whom I have not mentioned in today's podcast. Some of you may think my assessment of Tsar Nicholas II is a bit harsh, given that he and his family are saints in the Russian Orthodox Church, but that is one of the reasons why I think he was a failed leader. Sainthood is rarely a good resume builder when applying for the leadership of a country. It is an excellent attribute for a person who wants to become a priest or become the head of a charitable organization. Nicholas was a good man, and I believe that Alexandra was a good woman but neither of them had the temperament, knowledge, and fortitude to be the rulers of a country as large and complex as Russia. Join me next time as I cover the reigns of Alexanders and all the Alexanders and Nicholas I. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Hopefully the next few will come a lot sooner than the gap between this one and the one previous. Uh, I am going into some surgery, uh, but no concerns. It's just a foot injury. Uh, so I'm going to be laid up for a little while, and one of the things I'm going to be doing is writing a lot of scripts. So don't forget to join us on Facebook while we discuss and share our love of Russian history. And if you ever have a chance, go to RussianRulersHistory.com. And, you know, if you see fit to give us a little donation, that would be greatly appreciated. So now, as always, Das Vidanya, Ispasiba Bolshoya.